This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Wow, Ken sounded pretty fired up this morning. There you go. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, of course. Uh, great conversation with Pete Carroll yesterday. Ultimately, you know, one of the big takeaways is, can they draft a quarterback? Pete says yes. You just heard the sound from him. I'll play it for you again, though, just to kind of set everything up. And then I want to read you, Brock, this uh, this quote from Stephen Holder, who's been a reporter. He's been all over the place. Dolphins, Colts. He's been around for a while covering the NFL, and now he's with ESPN. So we asked Pete yesterday, right, would you still consider drafting a quarterback even after the Geno Smith deal? We, that uh, that opportunity is absolutely there. We could do whatever we need to do, you know, and, and – uh, um, which is a whole nother, you know, discussion of what's really exciting. And, you know, the coaches are working at it and the scouts are working at it to try to position this thing. When there's only, you're at five, this is different than we're used to seeing. You know, this is really fun because you can pretty much predict what, what's going to happen with, you know, four different choices, you know. So which one is it? And, and uh, so um, it's, 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 we're alive on all you know, uh, you know, guns are blazing. Interesting to you that we asked him about drafting a quarterback. He said, yes, great. And he immediately went to number five. Oh, I got to turn that on. You turn that mic on. There you go. Uh, number five is alive. That's, that's basically what he did right there. It is alive and it is well, and it is in play either for us. If we continue to do our due diligence and our work and we're pretty much overwhelmed and wowed at the combine, we don't normally get Pete. Right, we don't get him usually a week after the combine. Right, we we talk to him when the season ends, and then it's really after the draft do we kind of hear this excitement too because of the Geno deal and the structure of that deal and everything that went into it. We got a chance to talk to him yesterday and kind of catch him at about the halfway sprint mm. from the season ending to the the transactions that are going to happen in the draft. Oh, and on top of it, the free agency that's really begins today is they are able to start kind of in the legal tampering period, talk to people and talk to free agents. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. That was his messaging last week at the Combine. That will be his messaging to you and me. That will be his messaging when he jumps on Sirius XM Radio with some mm-hmm. of his buddies. That will be his messaging that number five is alive and in play. Well, we asked him about these quarterbacks in in particular in this draft, and he sure seemed to like them. These guys are all they're they're singling themselves out in their individual ways that they have. You know, uh, that it's, it's giving you some choices of style. You know, and, and uh, a background. You know, these guys are smart. They're they're so grooved. I mean, they've just learned so much football. To hear them in their meetings, they just rip off protections and concepts and routes and adjustments and line of scrimmage and changing the plays and all of the things that they know how to do. Different than the nineties combines. Not calling, not calling the huddle as much, but they're calling. They're doing everything. Right. It's just it's at the tip of their tongue, you know, to, to control whatever they need to control. And they're so fluent. It's really impressive. Uh, and these are just college kids. You know, they're just getting here. You know, to know as much as they know is just knocked us out. Remember sitting in there some years ago and him saying, well, we're going to get Russell a master's degree in football. Right. And I think you hear right there that these guys, they're not quite masters because that doesn't happen at the collegiate level. You need the experience of the NFL level, but they're undergrads and, you know, they're, they're hungry in grad school and they're, they're raring and ready to go. That's CJ Stroud's a sharp kid, bright, you know, it'll be, 
you'll be fascinating here in the next month and a half with with Bryce out of Alabama, Bryce Young, because he is just so small, but he is so brilliant. I mean, he, he is sees the game in ways, and he's had who Saban and and Bill O'Brien, so he's got all of the background in the NFL stuff. And yeah, I I I think that they were pretty enamored. And those are the two kind of QBs. And then the two athletes that happen to be QBs, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, we've talked about all week and everybody has around the country. Well, it sounded like uh, Pete and Richardson had a very nice meeting at the Combine. Stephen Holder, I told you, had this to say uh, from Richardson. uh, A cool moment came when Richardson met with the Seahawks. He said he felt an instant rapport with energetic coach Pete Carroll. Does Pete have energy? He had this big smile on his face, Richardson recalled. We shook hands and something about it was just different. You only see these guys on TV, and now I'm in their presence, and they're right there talking to me, and they're interested in me. Makes you feel good. Anyway, uh, so that is uh, that is Richardson talking about Pete Carroll. Um, obviously, a different reaction than Sauce Gardner had to to meeting with Pete. Pete had to uh, check him on uh, on uh, social media yesterday. But um, okay, so Richardson could be in play. Sounds like they had a good meeting. Pete kind of mentions how great all these quarterbacks are, and then Mel Kiper says, "Yeah, this class is special." That's the thing with the, with Bryce Young. Can he maintain that weight throughout the year? So you know, you're, after him, you're looking at C.J. Stroud, probably as the safest one. He was at, at nearly seventy percent completion percent over the last two years. He didn't. Uh, he was phenomenal at the Combine. He had a great game against Georgia. If he can become, if you could bottle that performance against Georgia and carry that into the NFL, then you got something. And I think Will Levis, this year I throw it out. He was hurt all year. In 2021, he was outstanding. So I think you're really looking at a Eli Rivers, Roethlisberger scenario where I think I hope all these guys are really good. I mean, and that doesn't even include Richardson in the mix. Is yeah. this class that good? Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as Eli Rivers uh, Roethlisberger? Uh, no. Did you listen to El Hombre yesterday, as I did, driving after being on with Bob and Dave? Holy smokes. You want the 180, the opposite side? I mean, just tearing into each of each of these guys for their deficiencies. For Bryce Young's tiny, and look at the size of the guy, and look at what Baker and Kyler, and good luck trying to play in this league at that size. And Will Levis, I mean, the the touchdowns, the interception. Oh, he's just injured. He's just no. It's an entire season. He wasn't injured the entire season. And Anthony Richardson's a fifty-eight percent passer in college football. <laughs> and I showed you yesterday on on tape. Look at these two throws back to back. I mean, it is he's wild thing all over again. And we just and C.J. Stroud did play one amazing game Maybe where he, he ran just around. needs glasses like Wild Thing. Possibly goggles. Get Ricky Vaughn some glasses. Go see what sports happens. Goggles. Those yeah. look pretty good. The Chuck Muncie glasses. Rick's yeah. Either way. So uh, y- yes, you know it, it is. It was very interesting to listen to to that other perspective because. Obviously, the Mel Kuypers and you know those draft pundits—they want to do what, man? They want to build so much excitement and build so much expectation. And when it's quarterbacks, quarterbacks, it wasn't last year, right? There wasn't. They, they tried to with Malik Willis. What did he go third round? They tried to Matt Corral. They tried to with Kenny Pickett create that, but ultimately, uh-uh. now this year when they've got tools to work with and clay to mold and some big name guys and yeah, this is a lot winners. better than last year. Oh. I mean, maybe it's not Rivers, Roethlisberger, you know, Manning, but this is a pretty good quarterback class. This is a lot different than what we've seen. I think over the last few years, where I have felt 
pretty down on a lot of the guys coming out. Zach Wilson, are you kidding me? That never made any sense. Trey Lance coming wonder. out of nowhere. One-year wonder. Right? I mean, like, those, those never really made any sense to me. No. I mean, look at what... Say These those, make more sense. Say those names again, that accounting firm. Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Manning. Yeah, I mean, Rivers was a four-year starter at yeah. NC State. You know, 6'5", 230, good athlete. Roethlisberger was a three- to four-year starter at Miami of Ohio. A giant of a guy and also a very good athlete. And Eli Manning was a three- to four-year starter Ole Miss. I mean, they had just background. They had all of that experience. Yeah, but that's not really what college football is anymore. I mean, yes, Bryce Young had that experience. But yes. other than him, I mean, like, nobody starts for four years in college anymore. Between the transfer portal and this and that. I mean, so Joe Burrow was a one, one-hit one wonder. And he has turned out to be arguably the best draft pick that anyone's made in the last few mm-hmm. years. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's hard to, to criticize any of that. I do come away feeling like the Seahawks are interested in in drafting, a so quarterback. that did not feel like a sell job. As you, as you sat it didn't there feel like one, but I was about to say it could also be a sell job because they want everybody to believe it, so they'll trade up either ahead of them or with them. Mm-hmm. But tell you what, both scenarios are great. The Seahawks are in a catbird seat right now in that regard. The fact that they could draft a quarterback because the Geno deal doesn't preclude it, and because they happen to be in the number five spot, great. If they're in love, awesome. Go marry the guy and let's rock and roll and, and sit him for a year. And the next thing you know, you've got your Josh Allen, your Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And if they're just convincing everybody that they could be interested, great. Get more picks and still get the defensive player you want because they're going to need some major help yep. to improve their defense. By the way, Allen, so I love this three, four year starter at Wyoming, Mahomes, three, four year starter at Texas Tech. There are still plenty of those guys that have a lot of experience under their belt. Now, Penix will be a three, four year starter at two different schools. Caleb Williams will be a three year starter at two different schools. But you at least have a lot of that background to mm. feel good about. <laughs> These guys and a few of them, there's certainly some risk, but man, is there some massive, massive upside as well need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first well with geno smith sign free agency essentially here the seahawks have a lot to do so a few things stand out from pete yesterday obviously the biggest one for me this is not going to preclude them from drafting a quarterback. Pete said it very clearly. Secondly, they believe in Geno Smith. Can you win a Super Bowl during Geno Smith's contract? Heck yeah, we could. Heck yeah, we can. He he's going to do his part. We got to do the. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of stuff we have to get done. We have a, a, a lot of decisions to make. This extraordinary draft coming up has been ongoing too, and we haven't left that topic either. You know that's been ongoing. So there's multiple topics, like just like I like a lot of balls in the air at the same time. <laughs> you know, let, let the music play and let's you know. Let's be dancing. Let's do the whole thing. Well, that's what's going on. And, and uh, but the the focus right now, obviously, is continuing the evaluations for the draft. But free agency is is at hand. I like hearing you giggle at the same time as you giggled live yesterday. The same things just tweak you uh, yep. day after day. Yep. So that would be one. I guess the other would be how much he knows they need to work on their defense. Going to be a challenge. There's going to be some decisions made. We got to get some guys come to us to help us out. Got some guys banged up that are coming back. Let's see how that goes. Uh, but uh, my intention and focus is on that as, as anything, as much as anything we're doing. Well, we're going to talk more about that coming up in twenty or fifteen minutes, Brock. But for me, this is a problem. They need to significantly improve their defensive front, especially the interior of their defensive line. Puna's probably not back. Shelby Harris might not be back. Monet's probably hurt. Maybe Al Woods returns. We'll see. 
but this is a weak defensive tackle draft. Yeah. And so I'm looking in free agency. Do you need to go harder after Javon Hargrave than you normally would? Is Dalvin Tomlinson good enough or Sheldon Rankins or a few of the other guys who might be available? Because that is a priority for them right now. Yeah, two things come to mind as I listened to Pete yesterday and, and just in this conversation this morning. And, and you said it last hour. And one of those is creativity. John Schneider and his crew have got to be outside the box because just the linear inside the box stuff, to your point, both in this draft class and in free agency, it's not as if those defensive linemen grow on trees either, as John Schneider will tell you. Offensive linemen don't, defensive linemen don't, quarterbacks don't. Yeah, the supply chain is limited with those guys. So how creative can you be to ultimately find what you need? You know, part of the reason that that Pete said that is because he spent the last couple months watching their guys and watching their tape again and watching those tough moments and watching a defense that, frankly, didn't have enough difference makers in their front seven. Found and have some people on the back end of that defense, but, boy, they need... Yeah, they need many bodies coming well, into this building. You can find building. the edge guys. I'm yeah. kind of curious where they're going to find the interior guys. We'll discuss in about 10 minutes. Here's the second thing you need to know. Night couldn't have gone much better for the Kraken. They take care of business at home against an Anaheim team that, frankly, has been playing a lot better recently. But a 5-2 blowout. Schwartz, Alexiak, Bjorkstrand, McCann, Daniel Sprong getting in on the action. Here come the fast feet of Brandon Tanev. Tanev. It was a 16, 17 goals on the year for Daniel Sprong. I mean, a guy that doesn't even crack the lineup every night because mm-hmm. he's not a complete player. But man, does he just bring offensive juice and his ability to shoot the puck, especially from odd angles. McCann with his 31st of the year. Kraken have now won five in a row. And uh, are pretty close now to locking down a playoff spot. Vegas loses. Kings were off. So they are two points behind both of those teams. Calgary wins. Yep. That's sort of the last team out right now. But, man, you you got a pretty decent lead. Well, we got 18 them. games to go, I believe. Yeah. About 18 games to go here. And this team has just been resilient, man. You know, as you look at the 64 over the course of this year, there's been some ups and downs. But every time you're like, okay. Maybe a second-year team still finding its footing is going to just hit the wall. Maybe they're just going to – nope, they're going to bounce right back, and they're going to win five in a row here. And to do that at home last night was was a good sign. We've got a few more at home to keep this thing going, and that is one resilient ball club down there. Here's the third thing you need to know. It can't be a ball club. They don't play with a ball. Hockey team. Yeah. Jets officials are in California visiting Aaron Rodgers. The Packers gave them permission to talk to him. You think Aaron's making them wait outside while he, you know, has a session with his yogi? Like, what do you think is going on there? Uh, Not much of a market, apparently, for Lamar Jackson, who was tagged by the Ravens. But all it would take is two first-round picks to get him. Plenty of players uh, suggesting that there's some collusion going on. Quandre Diggs, Bobby Wagner. Tyler Lockett, J.J. Watt, just a few of the names mm-hmm. I saw yesterday. Ryan Clark went all in, said, yeah, the owners are colluding because of the Deshaun Watson contract. They don't want any part of it. I don't think they want any part of it, and that's what Lamar Jackson wants, what he's wanted for a long time uh, there with his mom and, and Lamar being the agents, representing themselves in that negotiation, and it's just unfortunately and frankly not gone well. So we'll, I'm sure, talk about that at a little bit more length. Aaron Rodgers has got to go to New York, right? He has to. I mean, it's just one of the... Like, prophecy to be complete. I mean, Green Bay is just done. Like, Green Bay is just, come on, man. Let's let's move on. And, and what Jordan Love said, if he comes back, he's going to demand a trade. It's time for him to play. And it's time for Aaron Rodgers to go to New York City. Oh, you demand Please. a trade as our backup quarterback? Okay. <sighs> Whatever. 
Uh, Zags win the conference tournament. They destroy St. Mary's. Mariners will get back to it tonight, 5 o'clock, against the Dodgers. That is everything you need to know. And, of course, we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Um, you know, I really like the Root Sports broadcast in general of the of the cracking games. I just think Forslund and Eddie Olchuk and the rest of that crew does a fantastic job. But uh, watching on ESPN last night or ESPN Plus, Butch Gross, you know, who's a friend, does a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, AJ, uh, what's her last name? Melisco? Um, mm. uh, Fantastic. I actually thought they did a really good job last night, and it was nice hearing... An outside um, perspective. Yeah, a different perspective, and I thought they had a couple of really important observations about the Kraken, and one being like, look, they're a playoff team, but they don't do a few things that most playoff teams do well. Specifically, they don't get very good goaltending, and they don't score in on the power play, and they don't defend the power play very well. Mm-hmm. Their special teams are not great. Their goaltending's not great. That is not a typical path to advancing in the playoffs. And yet, as uh, I think it was AJ who pointed out, like whenever there's a problem, they just score more. Yep. They're so deep and all four of their lines find a way to cycle the puck and get it in deep that even though those sort of natural ways to win, especially playoff hockey games, aren't really them, they're still finding ways to win games because they just keep scoring. Is Benier slowing down a little bit? I know yeah. the numbers have and the stats have, but that doesn't always tell the whole story. I, I don't see him playing badly. I mean, you know, I think the loss of Burakovsky has hurt, especially him and the top line. And, yeah, I think that has probably affected him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been beaten up a little bit. Yep. I mean, like, you know, that was the one thing we really kind of wanted them to do at the deadline that they didn't do. So, yeah, I don't know if he's slowing down, but. He had two assists last night. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, his numbers have been down recently, but I haven't seen a drop off in All play. Right. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's he's real. Did you see the goal the other kid scored yesterday though? Zgrass between the legs. Yeah, oh my gosh. Dude, oh, that was filthy. It's pretty sick. You should go back and watch it. It was uh you never want to see that against your team, but uh if they're going to have it against your team, it was pretty darn nice. Uh more you'll be happy to know the 509 says I just read Salk's article. He did say nice things about you guys. You should be ashamed for being so mean to him. Wow. How about that? Wow. Uh, I read it too. You also added in parentheses even when Mora is mean to me. It's true, and you should be ashamed of that. <laughs> Maura, please keep being mean to him. We need it. It's been really good for the show. Even your mom, we talked about it. She was okay with it. Co-signed. Did you know she went around your back to your mother? My, no, I should have I should have guessed that the that that some of the women no, in my I life were said, conspiring against me. I'm sorry that sometimes, you know, I'm a little mean to right. my son on the show. And what did she you say? Know, oh no, it's a part of it. It's, it's, it's fine with it. Great. Thanks, Mom. Really appreciate it. Way to get my back when I really needed you. All right. We spent some time on uh on the issues and what they could do with the number five pick. But ultimately, Brock, the biggest problem the Seahawks have mm-hmm. is looking like a bigger and bigger mm-hmm. challenge. And I don't see how they dig themselves out of it. I want your help. Next, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, it is Brock and Salk as we uh, continue along here. Uh, Blue 88 here in 15 minutes. Some good questions, Brian. A lot of ex-Seahawks out on the market. Curious if any of them will make a return here to Seattle. Uh, before we get there, though, Pete saying yesterday, and we asked him about it, right? How are you going to fix the defense? How big of a priority is that? 
And I think this is going to be a challenge for them. I think it is their number one priority, especially now that Gino is done. Right. We know from the end of the year that Pete was pretty furious about the way his defense uh, collapsed, not just in the Niners game, but in general over the course of the season. And we asked him about it yesterday. We'll see. We'll see how we do. We've got um, you know, we've got some big decisions to make and uh, we've got to get better. We got to play better. Um, we transitioned uh, from our scheme, uh, not as tightly as I wanted to. And so this and since the day it was over, we've been on it. And talk about stuff we're focusing on. Man, I've been on it, man. And I'm really excited about, you know, with our guys and our coaches and, and, and for our players to really tighten the thing so it's really, really to the point where it can be great and we can play great football. Okay, so some of it is scheme. He mm-hmm. finally admits that they it took a little while to adjust to the scheme last year. Every time we asked him about that, he's like, no, no, that's not it. But now we know that it was indeed a bit of a scheme no, issue. Mike, no, right? no, no, Michael, it's not the that's scheme. Not it it's just all. the scheme. Yeah. Right. No, Ty France isn't hurt. He's just hurt. Right. I mean, like, no, Mikey is nice. He's nice. It is so funny when people try to (laughs) gaslight you like, no, it couldn't possibly be our change to the new scheme that's making our defense not look right and putting the guys in the wrong positions. That's not the new scheme. How could it be? That doesn't even make sense. We just need to tighten some things up. Oh, okay. You mean like the scheme? Yeah. Well, uh, the adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, put that aside. Yep. They got to make some change. They got to they got to understand the scheme better in year two. And they need better players, yes, especially up front. And from everything I'm reading, Brock, mm. those guys aren't mm. really out there. Mm. Who, who are you going to get to come play defensive tackle for this team that's going to be better than what you have? And how crazy is the market going to get for them? I mean, that is, if you want a, a little watch here, right? And leading up to the draft, we'll, we'll certainly have a few more cues, and, and especially the, the, the weeks preceding it right now is a little bit of lying season and leverage season and everything else. But free agency season begins here today. Today is the legal tampering period. Today you're going to start to hear and see some of the smoke coming out of different places. And you're going to hear agents try to spin things certain ways. And you're going to see reports in the media. And and here's what, unfortunately, you want to see, but you're not going to see. And that is, oh, kind of a cool market for some of these D-linemen. Maybe on the edge. What D-linemen? There aren't any. Maybe on the edge. There's a lot of edge guys. And that's great because Seahawks could use better edge guys. So that is certainly a conversation. But what about defensive tackle? I mean, Moore did a great job. She put together all of the defensive players in the top 25 of ESPN's free agent list. Do you know mm-hmm. how many tackles, defensive tackles there are? Two? Mm-hmm. Two? I mean, I'm looking at 101 list. Okay. Know, even in, and into that the 101. And gets up to three. I mean, you know, you're looking at Javon Hargrave, who, by the way, they have at number two. I mean, he's a pretty darn good player. So I want to talk to you about him. So yeah, this is ESPN? Yeah. Because NFL.com has him number one. Okay. So right? Javon Hargrave is going to be on that list. Do the Seahawks go big after Javon Hargrave? Javon Hargrave had a phenomenal year, surrounded by phenomenal players. When he was in Pittsburgh, he was kind of a their three four. He was a a whole lot more of a hold the point. I mean, he is a versatile, and I'm not downplaying him at all. As a 30 year old guy, he is versatile. He's equipped. He can do a bunch of different things. But it's certainly a breakout year at just the right time for him, knowing his contract was going to be coming up. That he's he's going to get overpaid by somebody, and that's. The Seahawks don't do business that way. Okay. They just don't. So so if he's out, the only other one on this list at all is Delvin Tomlinson, big uh, nose tackle I'll give from you Minnesota. One more. I'll give you one and more. I, I mentioned the other name earlier from the Jets, Sheldon Rankins, yep. who has been around for a while. Yep. Do any of those names appeal to you? Uh, not nearly as much as a name Draymond Jones. 
and he's in the top ten of the NFL.com. There was speculation that he may be tagged in I'm Denver. I'm sorry, I missed. I walked right by him. Sorry oh, did about you? That. No, I just that's on me. Okay, I, I, that's on me. I just glossed right over Draymond Jones. Sorry about that. Good job, he's Mora. At, Look at, at you being nice. She didn't even jump in. No, that was on she me. She didn't even take a shot. I just I, I overlooked that. Oh, one. okay. All right. Sorry, sorry about that. That's on me. Sorry. I'd sorry. like to uh, sorry. gaslight him after you just talking. About <laughs> that him. one's that one's on me. It's written right here. That's just an yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's very small print. What do you want yep. in my life? He would be the one. He would be the one that's, you know, like 26, 27 when you've seen the Seahawks make some of these moves over the years. It's only going to be 25. And we do have to look at this history. We do have to remember how the Seahawks do business. They just did it with Geno. They just showed you once again, this is how we do business with our guys. And we're going to sign Phil Haynes back and Nick Ballore and Jason Myers at the right number for us. And Gino's going to do a deal that, that makes sense for us, that pronoun us, all of us. And when they've done their business, Mike, they don't go and pay J- Hargrave, you know, 22 right. million bucks a they year. They don't do that. They, and 100 million and they, outbid people. They've never done it. No, they've never done it. Now, people are probably screaming and saying, uh, boys, um, this is the year to do it. This is the year where we got to fix the front seven. This is the year that you just said we have more cap space than we've had in the past, and they've got to they've got to go for it. But they're just that, that's just not that's not the way they that's not the way they're structured. Now I don't think they go cheap and go total volume with some of those other guys you mentioned right there. Dalvin Tomlinson was part of a Minnesota front playing the same defense right. with Ed Donatel. They got him fired, and whose rankings were even worse in some ways in the run game than the Seahawks. So. Yeah, that's the the challenge. In Blue 88, I will kind of fill in the gap on the other side and talk about the college kids. But, yeah, this is the this is where you're going to have to be Jerry DePoto creative. This is where you're going to, for John Schneider and crew, have to be outside the box. This is where you're going to have to trade for Marshawn Lynch. This is where you're going to have to trade for Chris Clemens. This is where you're going to have to trade. And I know that the Percy and, and the Jimmys didn't go as great as those previous two that I mentioned right there. But this is where you're going to have to find – some relationship, somebody that has a level of supply that you can meet their need. Well, I, yeah, I think what's either frustrating through draft here, capital or or in maybe a position of strength in it, the secondary. This used to be their strength. I mean, this was the thing that John was best at, right? Finding a veteran defensive tackle that was not being talked about much, who would come in here, Quentin McDonald or McDaniels or Tony McDaniel or a bunch of those guys that just came in and were solid. Good job right there. Thank you. That's not easy. The mix were not easy for I know. Coach well, I just figured they were it out. Often, they I were often in the blender. Hey, you can't gaslight me. I got it. I may have. I may have missed uh, Draymond Jones, but yep. I got my uh, Tony McDaniel and, and Chuck McDonald's. Good, right? Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quentin. Wasn't Quentin McDonald? I have no idea. Okay. But well. it was to your point, he found those guys. Yeah. But it was typically a guy. They were typically Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and your edges and Brandon Meebane for three, four years early, and it was finding a guy. Find two or three guys. Correct. Right? I mean, I, the way I look at it, maybe Al Woods is back, but he's an old man. What, is, what does Pete say? He's like older than the old, – what's Pete's phrase? Older than the hills? I love when Pete says that. Al Woods is older than the hills. I don't know if Pete said that or not, but he yep. said that about other people. Correct. He's turning 26 at the end of the month. Al or, Woods? I'm sorry, 36. I was oh, going to say, well, I don't think so. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> he is. That is the oldest 26 year old on the planet. Uh, Al's getting older, (laughs) obviously, and he was beat up a little bit last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was back. If he's playing football next year, I would think he's doing it in Seattle because they love his leadership. They love who he is, and he's still a productive player. Yeah. 
I don't see Shelby Harris back. Certainly not at the number he not was at. at. And he's older and injury issues. No, but he will be. He will be an intriguing one because he he had a good year when he was available. Okay, and he was traded here and he had to assimilate into this culture. But you're not going to count on Sh- on Shelby Harris next year. Maybe if you cut him and resign him at short money, okay, fine. But that's not an upgrade. Now you still have two of the same guys back. You're not upgrading. Brian Monet's not going to be anywhere in, in healthy next year. LJ Collier's certainly not going to be back. Nope. Uh, there's nobody else in that defensive line who did much of anything last year. Was the guy Tony Jones or whatever? I mean, like, that's about it. So, I, you know, if you want to get better, mm-hmm. you need at least two more defensive tackles. Yep. And you're going to be counting on this draft. I mean, that, that is just point blank. You, you're going to be counting on it. And I'll get to that in, an, in a minute here. But it's not why a great defensive tackle also draft. problematic. Yeah. yeah. So can you build some sort of a defense with all defensive ends? Because there seem to be plenty of edge guys, right? Both in free agency and in this draft. There are edge guys for days. Mm-hmm. You can't build a, 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 a team with just a lot of edge guys? You know the answer to that. Uh, that's no, and not in your division either. Even not in, with, a, in a three-four, where you got like you know nope. one big nose tackle, Al Woods or whomever, and then you just put nope. you know essentially a bunch of edge guys out there. Nope, doesn't really work that way. Mm. And uh, especially with the 49ers and their run style and Christian McCaffrey and everything that they do right in your own division, and the Rams that are going to try to rebuild and reload and get back to the basics of what they're going to do, which going to always start with that run game. So no, I unfortunately, buddy, that's not uh, if you were in the old Big Twelve. In the, when they're playing intramurals in the Big 12, right. where they just threw it 55 times a game, you could you could get away with that, but not in the NFL. And oh, by the way, the team that represented the NFC did what? They just pounded the football and pounded you and got into a rugby scrum and moved the line of scrimmage whenever there was a critical moment to do so. So, nope, you need uh, you need the big fellas holding down the point, and this is this is the job. This is this is where it gets difficult. This is where the rubber meets the road because there is no tree. Either on East Lake or down by the VMAC, where big old D linemen, you can just pluck them off. There's no trees for those guys. This is where you're going to have to be, as I said, creative. But, but John has always sort of found that tree. So, you know, yes, maybe there is an ability to trade a mid round pick for a guy that we're not thinking about right now who's out there. Maybe they do go big and try to bring in Vita Vea and trade something of value for it. That would shock me, but I suppose it's not impossible. Um, you know, after that, again, almost everyone we're hearing about are edge players. And there's a lot of good edge players sure. available, right? We talked yesterday. Frank Clark is available and Leonard Floyd's available and Bud Dupree. And this draft class is loaded mm-hmm. with guys who can play the edge, some better than others. I mean, not everyone's Anthony Richardson, right? Not well, everyone's I'll tell you Tyree what. Wilson, I'll tell you what this but the little, next group behind them is not bad I'll either. I'll tell you what this little 11-minute discussion did for me. Is it just heightened the Tyree Wilson conversation because he's an end? He's, Can he do it? Oh, he's he's six six and two hundred eighty pounds with you know seven feet long arms. So he's a defensive tackle, tackle. in this seat in yes. this scheme. Yes, he's a he can be an interior edge guy. He doesn't have to just be on the outside holding it down. He slides in and he is a disruptor. I mean, he's Draymond Jones disrupting, difference making. I mean, it just kind of, the, the more we talk about this, if the D tackles aren't there and you want to play this scheme and Pete's certainly committed to it, and they're just going to button it up and find, you know, different bodies to get so, in there. So what do you do if you end up getting to the number five pick and both he and Anthony Richardson are there because the quarterbacks all go high, et cetera, Richardson might be the better player. Is, is Tyree Wilson the better fit? Sure feels that way but, for but the can't 2023 you not draft season. For fit? I mean, if you have a chance for a generational player like like uh, Richardson, don't you have to take that? 
Or do you have to fill? <laughs> We've stumped Brock. Or do you have Brock. to? I mean, you say fit. I mean, your need. I mean, you're not supposed there, to draft for need until you have to draft for need. You're not because, supposed to. Well, and I'm sorry. Look you're, at your look at your defense. Not supposed to look at your defensive line room, ladies and gentlemen. Not supposed to do that. Yep. You're supposed to draft the best players that but you what can about possibly fit, bring What in? about fit and need meeting at a crossroads? And his name is Tyree Wilson. Or it may be Miles Murphy, another big bodied 270 pound athlete out of Clemson that can be a disruptor and you know get in the mix inside there. I mean, a lot of these edge guys, the kid out of Georgia, Nolan Smith, I mean, they're edge guys. You got to play on the edge. Now, Will Anderson, sign me up for him, too. I know, but I mean, he's a linebacker, right? He, I mean, he's an outside linebacker in this scheme. Yes, he is. Well, that doesn't help you. Oh, well, until it does. Until he gets <laughs> so you now like, what do you want? Until what I was he just gets asking you, like you, do you want sacks. Anderson or do you want Tyree Wilson if they're both available? Oh, Anderson. Yeah, I want Anderson. He, you yeah. just said the other way. I, no, I didn't. I didn't say specifically about those two. I said about yes, oh. D tackle or D end. KJ didn't like Willie Anderson as a fit. Who for this scheme? KJ. He said he liked Carter better. Well, Carter's an in for need to fit on the. He said he didn't yeah, think Willie Anderson guy. fit this scheme very well. Carter might be available at twenty. The way things are going, we'll see yeah. what happens over the course of the next few weeks. Right now, let's ask Brock three good football questions. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Sox. Sorry, I think I got confused because I think I said Richardson instead of Anderson. You did. I was thinking Will Anderson. I'm sorry about that. Richardson, Anderson... The sons are confusing I'm not going to gaslight you. I got the mix right. I thought right. you were truly asking whether you should take a quarterback. No, a I was trying to get to Anderson. I'm no, sorry. Okay. I, sc- I screwed it up. It's a lot of names. And we're getting older. Yeah. And you remember Macy when she was three. To, uh, when she's graduating to high school. Uh, to all All right. Question number one, uh, since we were just talking about it. How after Javon Carter... How bad is uh, this? Jalen, golly. Oh. Will you start writing these things down? <laughs> you know this isn't my specialty, man. Golly. You start asking me about college football players I've never seen. <laughs> this is hard for me. I don't watch college football. Uh-huh. Uh, how bleak is the class after Jalen Carter? Uh, very, very bleak. Very bleak. And Jalen Carter is going to have a lot of question marks himself. And I think you're going to see him not just because of this racing incident, but people, and they started to kind of hint at it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, I don't know about the professional maturity. And we certainly didn't hear him silence those doubts and hear coming out of the combine that, okay, yeah, this kid made a mistake and, and he didn't even own it then. And, and maybe for legal reasons, he couldn't, what have you. But it wasn't as if he changed the narrative very much in his four days in Indianapolis. After him, there is a D-tackle out of Clemson, Brian Breesey. I just, every time I watch, I've never said, oh, yeah, that guy lights up the screen. That guy's a game wrecker. That guy's a difference maker. Highly hyped up and heralded out of high school. Been through a life journey. Lost a sister. Tons of grit. Tons of maturity. But I I don't see, if if you don't wreck a game at the collegiate level, like Vita Vea, Mm -hmm. Aaron Donald, like these just game wreckers, you can't be drafted, in my mind, in the first round. You just, you know, you find those guys second, third, develop them. What's the difference? Like, if you can't wreck and take over a game at the collegiate level against collegiate offensive lines, you're not going to do it against typically grown men in the NFL. And then there's just kind of this, this he's just unique, the kid out of Pitt, the little D tackle, Cl- Clancy, that's just super explosive. I mean, four six, four seven, at 280 pounds. And where are you drafting a guy like that? Not at five. Definitely not at five. 20? And he's definitely got short arms, and he's definitely going to be Velcro and sticky because he's not Aaron Donald. 
but he played at the same school. He put up prolific numbers. He wrecks games and put in the right spot. He's kind of a hyper, hyper athletic Puna. If you were to take Puna forward, right, at 5'11", and... But does man, that fit the scheme? Not, no. That's that's where it's problematic. That's where this draft, I just don't... I just don't see even guys that you can kind of go, well, if we shape them, we mold them, we develop them. No, not in the first round. Certainly not at 5 and 20. I just don't see that kind of difference maker, that kind of game wrecker. All right, question number two. Somebody wants to know what my specialty is because it's definitely not ranked. All right, you know, just under attack these days. All right, question number two. What is... uh, again? Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, we can lay off, but you right. got to stop whining, too. Yeah. Well, the texters are after me now, well, too. Uh, well, you can do I something about that. I see our boss over is there. Boss she la- was crushing me the other day. Is boss lady in there? Yeah, Did I was I out with her lady? and a mar- member of the Mariner organization. They were getting after me. Dude, yeah. it has been nonstop for the last couple weeks. Uh, Lamar Jackson certainly has it a lot worse than I do right now. He is in mm-hmm. a weird spot. What's going on? This is one of those old adages, and I've dropped it a time or two. And I won't say the name of whose it is, because I quote him an awful lot, maybe more than anybody else. But he said to me, you know what, son, in-law, people do business with people they enjoy doing business with. And I've often thought, do I really need an agent at this stage of my career? Do I really need an agent? And by the way, in the entertainment agents, they are three times my Mm -hmm. football agent. I could do my own deal now, right? Like, I've, I've got my... Resume. I've I've got enough years behind me. I've got my tape here. I, why don't I just do my own deal and save ten percent? Don't work that way, because the folks at Fox and ESPN, you know who they like doing business with? My agency, and they got decades of relationship, and they get a deal done. They get the deal done. And when when Lamar decided, I'm not doing this. I'm gonna go the Richard Sherman route. I'm gonna go the Bobby Wagner route. I'm not gonna hire an agent. I'm gonna. My mom and I are gonna do this thing. And we're just going to be hard-headed, and we're going to get this deal, period, end of story. Okay, this is a risk you take. This is a risk you take not getting paid last year, right? So every year that goes by now, you're especially with his style of game, you're putting a lot of risk in play. You could have got a deal done last year that would have started the clock a whole lot faster, and you could have got $40 million guaranteed last year in the bank. Didn't do it. Played a little bit of hardball, and then I think... Played a little bit of business, too, at the end of it. You don't want to pay me? All right. I'm not going to play for you. And now what? You know, Andrew Brandt said to us, Mike, and this is, you know, I know these players have talked collusion and everything else. Here's the problem. The franchise tag. Mm-hmm. When Andrew Brandt said that when that mechanism was put in place, you know who won and won big? The owners. They set these numbers, these arbitrary numbers by positional value. That, they, that's the part that feels colluding to me. They, well, they said it, and the players agreed to it, and it's in the collective bargaining agreement. And yeah, you know, I, well, it, will it ever get pulled out? Not unless you strike. Yeah, I kind of, I understand what you're saying. I don't. I think the problem is just that he wants guaranteed money, and all of it guaranteed. No one's going to ever do that again. Nope. And it's not necessarily collusion. It might be, but it's also that was a bad idea, and none of the owners ever wanted it, and so they're not going to do this. Correct. I also think in Lamar's case, as much as I love him, and by the way, I would like him here. I love him. If they if they had gone down that road, I would have been happy. But I think that you have to be willing to commit to his style of game, yep. and that's going to take a lot of the franchises out of it yep. who aren't going to be willing to do that. All right, question number three. All right, looking at all the ex-Seahawks that are potentially available, there's a lot of them. Who's coming back? Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, Ethan Posick, 
Jadavion Clowney. It sounds like uh, Shaquille Griffin might be available as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's most likely to return? I'll tell you this. A lot of those guys are calling the VMAC. There's no there's no question in my mind that is as, as they've gone out and seen different organizations and seen how they're treated and everything else, there a lot of them are calling. I think the most likely of those feels like Frank. Because he is, again, when we get in this discussion of this 3-4 scheme versus what they used to be, what they used to have to find, Mike, in the supply chain versus what they do now, he's a 270-pound Tasmanian devil, right? He would love to play out on the edge all the time, so it will have to be a decision of of both market, uh, money, because he's made a lot of it, and role. But he would have the physical prowess to come in here and play, you know, that little bit of that edge, that five Mm -hmm. technique, Three eye, four eye, a little bit of that stuff versus some of those other fellas. Clownies at this stage out. Post six too big, doesn't bend enough, not really a fit, wasn't in the previous run scheme, not going to be a fit here now. Uh, you're not going to take a cornerback, sorry. So, yeah, I think it's probably, and Bobby is, you know, I think Bobby's coming back. I think Bobby is all about leadership. Like, you, <laughs> I think Bobby's coming back. It's just my gut. I don't have any information. Just my gut. I think Bobby will end up back here when it's all said and done. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. Uh, you got inside information on No, that? I don't. I'm telling you I don't. I would tell you if I did. I'm telling would you? you. Yes, of course I would. Right. Would you remember? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, getting crushed here, man. This is just out of control. Pretty soon, 206. Pretty soon, Salk is going to start calling Brock Damon. All right. I mean, uh, that, that seems <laughs> unlikely, but, you know, I guess, Maybe you, Luke. I guess you never know. Brock, you're getting uh, criticized. It's oh. Cansey. Were you saying Clancy? Oh, sorry, Clancy. Okay, so it's okay for you to screw up names. No, just I can me. screw up a name. I just want to be clear. So you can screw up names. I can't. Uh, that's nice. Appreciate that. I like that Harrison Spokane. I mean, asking a sports radio host to know more athletes' names and song names doesn't seem outlandish. I think it's a little outlandish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike's opinions oh, are so all cool silly. Five stars. Yeah. You know what's amazing? We could go through 20 bands. Why don't we do that, Justin? Go sure. through 20 bands. Led Zeppelin, and Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Name ranked like we're going to do later? No, 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 no. And just name all the members and see. Uh, you could go 100 Jimmy for 100. Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham. I mean, that's easy. <laughs> yes. But the Georgia defensive line, who cares? Those guys have been around like two years. Led Zeppelin's been around since the 70s, so for God's sake. 500 million albums. I know. And most people would do better with that. Uh, another texter, of course, says, so everyone knows, Salk, your specialty is napping. Now, that part I'm going to agree with. That's not a shot. That's just straight up true, and that's something I'm pretty good at. All right, let's go down to Peoria, talk to Shannon Dre. Our Mariners were off yesterday. They get back to it today. I want to ask her about a player, Brock, that we have probably spent the least amount of time talking about who could be the most productive player considering how little time we've spent. We'll do that next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.